Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to have this chat with me. I've been so looking forward to speaking with you ever since I picked up your book, which is incredible. And we're going to chat about that, but I'm really, really grateful for your time today. Thank you. It's lovely to chat and I've long been aware of your work as well. So I'm really excited to chat as well. Oh, thank you. Now your book. Firstly, I have to say, not only is it an incredible, um, I don't know, kind of I guess almost there's some inspiration wrapped in there. You know, it's inspiring, but it's also just a great story. It reads like a novel and it was so enjoyable to just get to know you through your book. And I don't want to give too much away because I know a lot of my listeners will want to read the book, but I would love to start with your moment of clarity when you were 34 years old and you had this moment of going, you know what? There's something that I really want in life and I'm going to commit to going after it. What was the impetus for that moment? Well, it was Christmas Day and, you know, Christmas is just one of those times of year where I I, have been a business person, I've had a big career and so I always keep myself busy but Christmas is like that time where you kind of, you have to stop really because everybody stops. And I remember waking up on a fold-out bed in the garage of some friends of my parents and I was 34 and I remember it was exactly the same kind of Christmas scenario that I woke up on when I was like 10 years old, except there was lots of other kids around then and now you know, I'm the only grown-up still tagging along with my parents at Christmas. And I'd always just imagined that I would have a, my own family and a partner and like, you know, my, no, I like, would have progressed to the next life phase, I guess. I'd have little kids running around at Christmas. Mm. And at that stage, I hadn't been on a date in 10 years. I mean, there was some, there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think mainly I was just afraid of getting rejected. I was afraid of putting myself on the internet. And yet at that point, I freaked out and I thought, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. And even though I'm really scared of dating and of getting all the, you know, all the things that could happen, I'm now more afraid of being alone mm-hmm. for the rest of my life and missing out. I really didn't want to miss out on, have a fa- on having a family, but I also didn't want to, I wanted love. And, you know, that want and fear of kind of missing out on love overtook the fear of getting rejected and looking silly. So that was when I was like, right, you know, I'm going to do something about this. Yeah, there's nothing quite like a massive family milestone to bring your attention towards something that you feel is missing in your life. And as you said, that time of year when everything slows down, you know, it's hard to ignore something that's been kind of inside you and wanting your attention. 
And something that I really connected with is your approach to this commitment because it wasn't like you just went, okay, I've decided I'm going to manifest a husband and then just sat (laughs) back and waited for it to happen, which people do do. The thing that I connected with, Rebecca, was your logical, pragmatic, kind of like business-like approach to how you were going to make this happen because it wasn't a case of like, I'm going to do a vision board and just see what happens. You were like, right, I'm starting with a list and I'm starting with controlling the input that I'm going to put into this. So talk me through your list and the things that you decided you would be willing to put in. Sure. Well, the first thing was, I mean, I had built businesses and I know that I'm not necessarily the smartest business person in the world, you know, or the most strategic person, but I am really good at sticking to a goal. And so I kind of set myself goals every year for my career. And so it kind of made sense to go, okay, this is what I want. Let's set a goal of, like, it's got to be measurable, right? So my goal was to go on one date every week for a year. And then I'd work, I just thought I'd figure it out as I went. So that was my approach. Um, And then in terms of a list, I also made a list of what I was looking for in a partner, which, you know, having no, you know, not dated for 10 years, I just probably went back to my like fairy tale (laughs) that I had in my mind from being a child. But my list was smart, tall and fun. And I remember this really clearly thinking I could only have three because any more than that would be too picky. (laughs) And (laughs) And then, yeah, as I go through my journey, I slowly kind of debunk all of those three things and work out what's really important. Yeah, and it's funny because tall, fun and smart, you kind of think to yourself, well, how hard can that be? But then as you move through these dates, you're like, ah, it's never as it seems and tall, fun and smart can mean something completely different as you move through these dates. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of the dates, I mean, like you meet them. I think it's the same. Like you, you, you do think how hard can it be? And you meet someone and they're like, oh, they look nice. Why can't I just pick him? Like he seems fine. And then you know, you, the early in, early in the date you think, oh, I can't believe this guy's still single. He seems really nice. And then half an hour later, I think as you see some of the dates that I've written, you're like, oh, okay, that's why he's still single. <laughs> so there's like a lot more kind of going on under the surface than, um, than you would see, obviously. <laughs> and now speaking of things that were going under the surface, you were also seeing a therapist throughout this process of going on one date per week. And yeah. as a reader, you can just see how important your therapist is to you and her insights that she offers you. What valuable tips or, I guess, ideas did she plant for you when it comes to dating? I mean, she loved the fact that I was going to go on one date every week for a year because she sees a lot of single you know, men and women and she just says that they'll go on a few dates and they'll go, oh, everyone's a loser and they'll, just have, they'll also have unrealistic expectations. So, you know, she, one of the things I remember her saying that she thought was really good about my approach was that you'd get kind of um, like comparative data. <laughs> so, so, you know, you know the market when you've gone on that many dates and you're like, you find a good one, you're like, okay, this is a good one. As opposed to, you know, he's not quite perfect. Let me keep let me keep trying here. And, or, um, But, yeah, she gave me lots of advice in terms of she sees – I thought it was interesting that she also sees men who are looking for a partner and 
just to miss you talk you described what it's like for them when they go on a first date particularly if they're looking for an emotional relationship that they're just as nervous as me and so some of her you know first things she told me was to not be judge not be quick to judge and just to recognize that the person on the other side of the table is going to be just as nervous as me and you know give them a chance don't judge and go home later and and then make a kind of make an assessment of whether you think they're a a good match or not but don't on a date be assessing whether or not they meet your criteria because that's just going to put them off and you're never going to see what's good in them and you know we talked about like what what a first date I don't even know if I put this all this in the book but what a first date should look like it should be fun you should come back saying you know we talked all night and just had a great time and that's how connections start to form and you know you can ask all of your you know life questions about like how is this going to go or that going to go or you know what what's your vision for the next five years kind of thing that all comes in time as you build a shared reality but a first date should all be about you know having fun being relaxed talking and you know, seeing you might see if you have aligned values but it's not about judging and assessing such a good point because there's nothing worse than going on a date where you feel as though you're on a job interview and you're kind of moving through someone's checklist and you're like oh I'm not sure if I'm adding up because then it only (laughs) adds to that pressure and like your therapist I guess was saying to you the fact that you committed to going on a date per week it just has to lower the pressure because (laughs) by default you can't be that I guess in that state of um anticipation and excitement all that time so it takes the pressure off a bit yeah I think it did um when I definitely started out kind of assessing and then I could feel when other people were assessing me and it just never works and I would also be at the same time as I was working out if they were a good fit I'd be trying to work out what was in their head in what they were looking for and to be that so mm. you just can't you know you can't relax when you're thinking is this person the right match for me and how am I kind of changing myself into being the kind of person that they want it's not gonna you're not gonna be able to connect unless and until you can let all that stuff go that's right and with going on a date one per week you really refined your process you had it down to a fine art when it came to, I guess, your system of first of all getting to the whole dating space. But then also once you were on the date, you had a very clear kind of rhythm of where you'd go and how it would unfold. Can you talk me through your vetting process? Sure. Well, I mean, I learned this through kind of trial and error. So I had to this one date every week for a year. So 52 dates was the original plan. And then I think it was the second guy I went out with was just, he was lovely, but it was a really bad match. I remember thinking he was a game programmer and that he was going to be really smart. And then he turned up and he was a gamer. So he was someone who played games at his parents' house all day. And it was just like. But when you first was, start online dating, there's that, don't you reckon like you kind of feel a bit ambitious, right? Like you're, yeah. you're so excited and you're just like, oh, yeah, let's go on a date. And I think you give people more of a chance maybe yes but yeah so we met we met for dinner and then I was like okay this is we had nothing to say to each other and it was quite awkward and then you know it was we had to and I I do remember moving restaurants so I could go somewhere that was sushi so you could get pre-made meals so we wouldn't have to go through the whole process of 
ordering and waiting for stuff to be cooked. But after that, I thought, okay, I'm going to do screening calls. So I wanted to, it was really, I wanted to avoid awkward situations, which were not fun for either of us. Um, And I wanted to make sure that out of my 52 shots that I was kind of lining up the best possible candidates that were more so logical to be a match. And so, uh, and I also, at so my business is, is called Hey You, so it's an app for ordering coffee. And so at Hey You, we had the sales funnel, which is something I put in the book. So I remember thinking about dating in the same way as I was kind of learning about sales funnel, funnels and building a sales funnel for Hey You. So at Hey You, it was about, we sell a product to cafes to help them get more orders from customers and so we had like at the beginning of your sales funnel you've got to have as many potential cafes as possible and then you've got to build filters and then so you invest your times on the ones that are most likely to convert into paying cafes and so I was like okay right at the top of my dating funnel I need to get as many candidates as possible and so at that stage I was just using eHarmony and then I thought okay I need more channels and so I added RSVP I added Tinder I signed up for classes. I asked my friends. Like, I just wanted to get as many potential dates as possible. Cast a and, wide net. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because then I could filter. Um, and then I got good at filtering like, you know, the online profiles. I definitely started to see patterns and what to look for. But a key thing was screening calls. So every Sunday afternoon I would set up phone calls from like, um, like, like, I love I it. Like at least four or five phone calls, and then I would choose one or two of those to go on dates with during the week. And yeah, I always went to the same two restaurants. Um, and I thought, I do think I did some coffee dates, but I do also think I did think that you there needs to be some potential for romance. Oh, I'm going so well. with you, Rebecca. Coffee yeah. dates just are not it. Coffee dates feel like a job interview. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It needs to be a drink. You need to put on a pair of heels or just feel like there is the potential for that goodnight kiss perhaps. Totally, yeah, if it's going well. So I thought I would meet at a bar where there's a restaurant and then if it was going well, I'd say let's stay for dinner. And then, you know, you can have one of those nights where you talk all night and that's where you, that's how you start to build a connection. Um, so I chose it was the winery and the, it was the Victoria Rooms, which I don't think is there anymore, but those were the two restaurants slash bars that I would go to. And they were close to my house and they had nice lighting and it wasn't too noisy. So it was like all those things that were important. Um, and, yeah, so it was, <laughs> I remember thinking that it was like a control ex- controlled experiment. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I've got that written down here, Rebecca, because I'm like, as I was reading it, as someone who – I don't mind being in control. I was like, oh, this appeals to me. Like knowing, knowing that you are going somewhere that you're comfortable, that you'll have a table that you like. And I had to laugh when I was reading the part. And this is what I mean by your book reads like a novel, but reading the interaction between you and the wait. Uh, the waitress and you're like just pretend pretend you don't see me here every week with a different man just give me the spiel ask if I've been here before and I was like that is so good yeah well that was very true they did had the, they had a tapas menu and every <laughs> week is the same spiel that they give like have you been here before let me explain oh, no. the menu. <laughs> oh, I was laughing when I was reading that because it took me back to when I was a teenager, I went on a date with a guy 
I'm talking like I'm 16, 17, and we went to this cafe that was really well known where I grew up and we had hot chocolate and it was like this cute little date. And then the next night I went on a date with a different guy and we went to the same spot and it was the same waitress. And I was like, oh, I'm learning a lesson here. Like, okay, this is interesting. So I was definitely having a giggle when you were saying to the waitress, just treat me like it's my first time. So good. Um, I have to ask, when you were going on these dates, was it in the back of your mind that you were going to write this book just because it reads so beautifully? No, I was all that was in my mind was I wanted to find love. You know, I wanted to find I did think I wanted to have a family. It was those two things. But really, after a while, I mean, I got to 37 and I still hadn't found anyone and then I was like, right, I'm going to I'm going to I'm not going to be able to pull this off. But if, I'm just still want to find love. So that was all I was thinking. And then it wasn't until, I mean, I was writing a business book and then I got partway through it and just got, I was feeling, finding really boring to write. And I was telling the story of how I met Rod at every dinner party I went to and people would like lean in and go, tell me more about that. Tell me what happened. And then I was like, okay, this is a much more interesting story and probably it will add a lot more value to people's lives than another business book. Totally. And I can understand why people do lean in to hear this story because it's not the common well-worn like trope. Like so many women in their 30s who do want love and do want a family, it ends up becoming more about the battle of how hard it is and how Mm -hmm. there are no good men left and all of that stuff. And just your, I guess, your, your, I mean, I know it did waver at times because how could it not when you're going through this for years, but there was like this unwavering sense of hope mm. and optimism of, you know what, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'm going to keep showing up on these dates. Did you or what did you do when you experienced dating app fatigue or burnout? I thought of myself as an 80-year-old woman and I thought about like her looking back on her life and I wanted to be able to say to her that I gave it a really good, I gave it everything I had because I knew how important it was to me and I knew how much time I invested in my business and my career and you know, just from a general value perspective of like this is how much value your career and your business is going to add to your overall life experience versus finding a great love and making a family like what you know and it was just like finding love in a family was going to add so much more to my overall life experience than my business and so why was I investing so much time in my business and you know just doing the dating on the side I was like I was prepared to give it the same if not more um, priority than I was giving my work because it was yeah because of the kind of value equation really Mm, I love that. And just in conversations I've had with women myself, I've noticed that sometimes women do feel a little bit of maybe shame or maybe a little bit of, you know, they're experiencing thoughts and feelings around it being anti, you know, an anti-feminism thing Mm -hmm. to want that relationship so much. Did you feel any shame at all about going, you know what, I am going to make this a really big problem? Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Priority in my life. No, I didn't because I wanted it so much. I think in my heart it was what I wanted. I definitely felt shame about writing a book about it because (laughs) I think people would expect me to write this kind of power woman, business, entrepreneur book about capital raising. and and, um, But to say that the most important thing is to was for me was to find love and this was actually the hardest thing that I've ever done and everything that I learned through it and that was – I thought that I would. I actually thought I was going to get more criticism than I've had. I mean, maybe I've been criticized and I haven't heard it, but, um, but I was just like, I'm just going to be honest because if I feel like this, I reckon other women feel like this as well. And if I can totally. just impact one of them, just one person, then it will be worth doing. It is so much more than a dating book. You know, when you look at the cover and it's a gorgeous cover, it does seem fun and light, but there is so much growth in your story. And as I've said a thousand times already, it just reads so beautifully. And it's really nice to read about your growth and, you know, to, to watch those changes occur, like from the very literal change of you had this list of three things and then the end, like the end of the book, the knowledge that you share about what it is that you really want in a partner is so beautiful and so profound what did you learn about what to look for in a partner so well tall was a you know I realized that tall was totally superficial when I when I dated with someone who I remember saying that he only dated blondes and didn't date women over 35 I remember thinking how I went home feeling so angry and then I thought about tall in comparison that, and that being actually very similar in terms of choosing someone based on something superficial. That is and so <laughs> true. I've had so many conversations with girlfriends where it's like, yeah, tall is so important. But imagine if we overheard them saying size eight is so important. Exactly. And it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, and then I met someone who was smart and fun and, he was actually, we went away, went away for the weekend together and he was not very nice to me at all. It was pretty rude and uncaring and I felt awful. And then I thought, oh, okay, nice. Like care, someone who cares about me, that's really important. That's actually the most important thing. And I did come back and tell this to my therapist because she laughed at my list initially, but she didn't tell me what was wrong with it. And then I was like, I worked it out. Okay, caring, that's really important. And she was like, ah, oh. because I'd asked her, you know, women that she see or couples that she sees further down the track, you know, when they're breaking up, what is it that she sees in terms of a common trait to watch out for? And then she said, you know, nice goes a really long way. <laughs> in those conversations later down the track, someone who's caring, you know, and she said, nice is good to come home to. Um, and then there's other things like about having shared values, someone who, I mean, I don't mind saying, I mean, everyone knows I did find my 138th date was successful and I met my wonderful, um, 
now partner Rod and we have two beautiful little children. Um, but um, what was I going to say? There was a couple of things about him which I hadn't worked out in terms of I wasn't looking for them, but I worked out that they were really important as we started our relationship. So one was that he's really behind me and my growth and you know, like he's come to all the book launches and he does a little speech beforehand. And when I'm doing my webinars, he's doing the tech in the background. And it's just like that real team really, effort. Yeah, he's really proud of me. And I think that is mm. really important. And the same for me, for him, you know, I think growth is just such an important aspect of life. And your partner's got to be someone who's behind you and supporting you in your growth forever. And the other thing is the ability to self reflect. And I think that goes to kind of how you argue. So I remember our first date, him talking about his dad and how they didn't used to get along. But then he, he worked out, you know, as time passed that some of his dad's traits are actually really useful and that he's actually got some of them himself. So it was like that he kind of worked out that he wasn't his, you know, his, the first conclusion he came to wasn't right. And he was able to step back and think, oh, okay, look at it from someone else's perspective and then come to a different conclusion. And that's so important when you're arguing with someone, which we always argue. Like people, you know, I don't think there's relationships that don't argue. But we can both kind of step back and go, okay, well, what is it that you're trying to achieve here? And and you know, he'll look at it from my perspective. I'll look at it from his perspective. We'll usually come to some kind of compromise. And understanding we won't usually have that same argument again. So I think, yeah, that ability to self-reflect is really important as well. Self-awareness and self-reflection are such attractive qualities. I um, I often get asked from women on Instagram, what are some great questions to ask people on first dates because I'm single and I share bits and pieces along the way. And I always say when I get asked that, I think it's just so much better to listen. Listen to what someone is saying because they will tell you the information you need to know without specifically going, oh, and in this situation, what would you do? (laughs) You know, you just have a conversation and you'll know, you'll know if you're speaking with someone who has that ability to self-reflect. I mean, I can remember very clearly, I went on a date with a guy who was so lovely and he was sharing some personal information with me about the way his relationship ended. And I sort of said, and why do you think it ended in that way? And he said, oh, I've got no idea, no idea. And it kind of just made me think, oh, what a shame. Like what a missed opportunity. Because if you could sort of peel back the layers and go, you know, I think it was because of X, Y, Z, or, you know, maybe it was this or maybe it was that. It's that ability to reflect and grow, which is so attractive and so important, I think, when you're looking to sustain a relationship moving forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think like, you know, how they – um. Talking about their family is important. I mean, you don't have to like ask every question about their family, but if they talk about their family fondly and, you know, they've cared for people when they've needed them, I think that's a good indication of niceness. I did have one question that I will share that I think is quite a good diagnostic. This is not necessarily for a date, but this is what I used on my screening calls. And that was around why, like what you do for a living and why do you do that? Love it. that, That was quite a good like indicator of values. Because, you know, if you, the example I gave in the book was, you know, I dated many lawyers, but a lot of them, I think it's partly a Sydney thing, they were, went to a fancy school and said, oh, my friends did finance and I didn't want to go into finance because I wasn't good at maths. 
And you're like, well, that's not a really a very good reason. <laughs> if you told me that you saw some injustice when you were young and you thought, I really want to fix that, I want to contribute, then that's the kind of answer that I was looking for. Yeah. And my yes. lovely partner talked about he became a high school teacher and why he became a high school teacher and the impact he wanted to have. So it was like I could tell he thought about what he was doing and yeah, he had some purpose behind it, which just signaled a shared like values, I guess purpose and also just the fact that he cared he cared about the way he was showing up in the world and that question I have stolen that from your book (laughs) and I'm using that now I think it's such a good one especially when having conversations on dating apps it's the path of how are you how's lockdown (laughs) what do you do for work and you know, you just kind of get so sick of having the same chats over and over. And just by slightly changing the what do you do for work and adding in the why do you do that, Mm. it reveals so much. And back to what we were saying just a moment ago, people will give you so much information in their responses, in the way that they just talk. As you said, oh, I fell into it because I didn't want to do blah, blah, blah. Verse, Mm. oh, I'm really lit up by it. I'm passionate about it. It's a real indicator. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that you mentioned in the book that is important is someone who is steady and you use the term steady netty. Oh, yeah. This is because, so at the end, in my epilogue, I interviewed this kind of world-leading professor, researcher in dating psychology because I wanted to unpick everything that I'd learned and, you know, get like what does the kind of research say about this? And he had, in his research lab, had spent a lot of time about like looking at the personality traits of people who are likely to have successful long-term relationships. And he had three things. One was like, um, and a kind of overall agreeableness. I think that's like the ability to self-reflect and kind of see another person's perspective. Another was generally positive. So um, just because if you have a positive outlook, you're more likely to be resilient um so like I kind of like bias towards optimism and the third but this was the most important one was conscientiousness and he's I remember his quote was I know it's not sexy but steady nitty is who you're looking for and so it was like people who you know can hold have had hold down a job for a period of time you know have had relationships in the past you know for a period of time like goes a long way yeah people who are reliable and it was just like in the early stage of a relationship, you know, there's an attractiveness in someone not calling you back. And then it's like what happens is, you know, you're waiting for a phone call or you're waiting to meet someone that didn't show up and then you panic. And then you, um, they eventually they call and you're like, ah, oh, and you think of that as passion but actually it's just relief. Like it's the chemical that's happening in your yeah, brain. Yeah, the you dopamine hit. Yes, that dopamine hit is not passion, it's relief. And he said, what you actually want is someone who does call. If they say they're going to call you at seven, that they call you at seven and that they, and you know, you make a plan and they stick to it. And he's just like, that is, um, you know, can be confused early in a relationship of not having like that kind of fiery passion because it's so steady. But that is the kind of person who's going to make a great long-term partner. And it was like that with Rod, like it, there was no, the early stages of a relationship were not, you know, there was no up and down fear. There was, and I was did question, is this what falling in love is supposed to feel like? 
And when I ran that past the professor, he was like, that is exactly what falling in love is supposed to feel like. It's like this, you know, you, you, know, you build trust over time and you, you create love as you build a shared um, reality, you know, over time. And that's, that's what builds strong love. It's not these kind of like big peaks and troughs of, is this person going to turn up or not? And, oh, my goodness, he does like me great. Like, Which makes so much sense, especially given everything that we know now about our nervous system. When we are with someone who does that to us, when we're up and then we're down and we're in freeze and flight and then we're living for that relief hit, as you mentioned, mm. that's no good for us. You know, it's no good for us to be with that, be with someone who has that impact on our nervous system versus someone who is more calming and steady and stable. And as you said, it's not that rush, that, you know, endorphin peak and then drop, but it's really good for us. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's particularly if you think long term, you know, especially when I'm sure lots of your listeners will have kids as well. And, you know, you're building that future together you want someone who's going to be there when they say they're going to be there and is reliable and that that's just it's so important to make a relationship work absolutely and commitment like able to commit and go okay I'm going to make this work no matter you know no matter what like and work through things and speaking of working through things before you had your 138th date and met Rod yep. you had a moment of kind of like a personal kind of almost like a come to Jesus moment where you had to release some things that you had been carrying around and reading through your, I don't want to say rock bottom, but reading through your moment of having that emotional breakdown and feeling like everything's so hard, but then your triumph and the way that you came through it was really, really beautiful to read. And I know that a lot of people listening might be in that situation where they're feeling like, oh, it's all too hard. It's all too heavy. What would you say to them? That's where the growth comes, I think. If I look at all those points in my life where I've been really down about and I felt like this is the bottom, there's like that's always where I look back on and go, that's where all my that's where my growth came from. Um, and that's kind of where my strength came from. It just, just doesn't feel like that at the time. Um, you know, I would say in terms of if it's in about looking for love, I would say you've got to be optimistic and You've got to believe that the person's out there and that you can make them happy. I just remember thinking, I'm going to find this person. I'm going to make him so happy. Um, I mean, that I had done quite a lot of personal growth to get to that point where I realized it was about giving and making someone happy than opposed to getting smart, tall, and fun. But, um, but when I started to think like that, I still had a lot of bad dates. Towards the end, there's some shockers. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting towards my 138. But... <laughs> But I did, I, I would just say keep optimistic and you've got to, I think as you get older, there's truth to, there's less guys out there that are good. There's a, there's a reason why there's a bunch of single pe people are still single, you know, but there is still gold, but you have to be willing to go through the bad dates to find them. And I think when I met Rod, he had just come out of a long-term relationship, a seven-year relationship. He'd, you know, been single only for a few months. He just started dating again. I was like his fourth date or something. And so I just happened to come along at the right time. And But if I wasn't there doing all those dates, I wouldn't have found him. And so um, I think, you know, you've got to be in it to win it. That's something I would say. It's like just got to keep going and be willing to, yeah, 
to grow, but also just to stick at it. Definitely. And one of my favorite passages from your book is right at the end where you say, the message I would like you to take from this book is to choose your direction powerfully and go after it with two feet. Such a beautiful sentiment. And I loved, loved reading your story. And it's been so nice to speak with you. Where can our listeners jump over and hear more from you? So there's lots on my website, which is rebeccacampbell.com. So I've got um, you know my book launch, lots of webinars and lots of content on there. And get the book. I would love people to read the book. The best place to order the book is Booktopia. Um, but it should be in all bookstores in Australia. Um, and my Instagram is at Rebecca Campbell Writer. Yeah, beautiful. The main places. I will make sure I have all of those details in the show notes. Rebecca, thank you again for sharing your story. Oh, actually, I should quickly ask: Have any of the men that you dated reached out to you since writing <laughs> the book? <laughs> they have. They have. I've had a bunch of random Facebook because sometimes <laughs> you go on these dates and then you you know you might go out with them once or twice and you friend each other on Facebook and then you forget all about them. And then you talk about the book and the videos come out and everything. And then I've get, I have had a bunch of messages from people saying, am I in the book? Do they want royalties? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them I can't even remember. I mean, there's not every date is not in the book, but the ones that where I feel like I learned something or there was like some emotional kind of like, um, you know, shock or something, they're all yeah. in it. So, yes, there has been a few. There was one, that farmer guy who was in it. I was like, hang on, are you the guy? Farm for Manly. Let me check my spreadsheet. <laughs> Did you say that you don't keep your firstborn cows after you worked out that I was a firstborn? And he was like, Yes, that would have been me. And I was like, Oh, you are in the book. <laughs> great. Enjoy. <laughs> so good. Well, as I said, it's a great book. It made me laugh. It definitely made me reflect. And as a single woman in my 30s who happens to be 34 as well, it definitely provided me with a lot of food for thought. So I highly recommend it, loved it, read it cover to cover, and I'm just really, really grateful for you sharing your story. Well, thank you so much, Kylie. It's, um, yeah, I'm grateful for everything that you're doing with the Kind Parenting Company as well, and um, it's been really lovely to chat. This is what I want, this is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.